Blog Talk Radio. Hello, world. It's yours truly, the Gap Two Guru of Gumbo. We're back at it once again. I'm in the kitchen uh, to do this show. I am excited and delighted that I have had an opportunity for now six and a half years to present to you just what's on my mind, and hopefully, every now and again, some of my friends who have shared uh, their minds have been an influence and an encouragement. To each and every you, this, if every one of you. So this is the Gumbo Talk Show. My name is Brandon. I am affectionately known as Triple G, the Gap Tooth Guru of Gumbo, hence the Gap Teeth. Thinking about getting them fixed too. I don't know. Keep getting these other bills that hit me, but maybe 2021 is the year that I uh, <laughs> close in on the gap. But nevertheless, this show is not necessarily about food. However, food and I have a love affair that has never let me down. There have been some bumpy relationships with some not-so-tasty food, but other than that, um, this show is more or less, when we say gumbo, it's about you and I interacting and the topics that we bring, discussing them, and then hopefully my rule and you as an ingredient uh, makes this amalgamation of a thing I like to call gumbo. And then we serve this up to people we see or uh, people we interact with throughout the week and share a different perspective of things that are out here in the world that impact us on a regular basis. Tonight's episode is all about self-fulfilling Prophecy. Now, there is a long Webster Dictionary definition of self-fulfilling prophecy, uh, but the essence of the phrase or the term is a human-focused thought that is so the thought and the mere energy that we put into it, whatever it is we think happens. Case in point, if you want, uh, I'll just start off with the ladies. I've often heard Uh, women, not so much lately, but over the years, they'll say, I just want a man. I need a man in my life. And uh, as it would have, there's a man that comes into their life, and they may not eventually like him so much, but they were given a man, and that's what they asked for. They weren't necessarily specific, 
And um, there's a lot of instances like that. I just use that one because it came to my mind. So don't anybody, you know, hit me up too bad about, man, why did you do that? That's not the point. The point is people ask for things, people think about things, and they happen. Um, People pray for things, and a lot of times their prayers don't get answered. But then for some people, I don't know about you, but like me, I'm almost scared to pray sometimes for things because um, if I really, really petition for something, it happens. Um, I have not been let down on something. You know, there's things where I've had people who were dying in my life and I wanted them to live longer, but I, I, I knew. I knew. And maybe if I didn't have that little bit of corner of trepidation in my heart and in my spirit, maybe it would have happened. But you and I both know we say we lend our energy, we say we lend our efforts to something, and then we always keep that one thing right in the back burner of our mind, and that one little shred of doubt is there, and we always are thinking about it. Yeah, I want this to happen, but, and we'll say that in our mind. We may not say it with our mouth, but we say it in our mind. I was communicating with a friend the other day, last night, in fact. Oops, I'm not to bark over. Oops, excuse me. I was communicating with, it was last night or this morning, and I'm always teasing her. Um, and I said, um, she said something crazy, and I said, I can't. And she said, you need to drop that T. Now, I know what she meant, you know, but I, it was funny, and I, I just couldn't deal with it. But dropping that T meant I can. And that is something that um, I was telling my friend, uh, who was that? That was the storyteller. Did a little episode with her. And we were talking about abusive relationships and hurt people hurting people and why is it. And we were discussing it and. um in that conversation, I was telling her how I've been changing my frame of thought. That's been you know, maybe a year ago um, that we did that, maybe longer. But I, I, I no longer use the negative in, in thoughts like, I don't want this to happen. I start saying, I want this to happen. Um, I, I don't say, um, I'm not going over there. I'd rather say, I'm going over here. You know, it's, it's just changing the narrative in what comes out of your mouth and how your brain operates so that you're operating in a, in a, in a way, in a manner, as a person, as an individual, that constantly spews the type of energy you want people to know you for. Um, and a lot of times people only know us by what we say because they don't know all the actions that we've done. I was uh, I like to look at YouTube and Facebook videos because it lets me know what's going on in the world, and I can pick specific things that I want to watch or I want to listen to. And I like Vlad TV, even though I'm not a big fan of Vlad. He's doing a series with Dr. Dre. Now, this is not Dr. Dre you know from L.A. and N.W.A., this is the Dr. Dre from New York that used to be on Yo! TV Raps. It was Dr. Dre and um, 
what was the other? Ed Lover. Y'all know the Ed Lover. <laughs> well, so those of y'all that grew up in the 80s, you remember Dr. Dre and Ed Lover from Yo! MTV Raps. But Dr. Dre, big boy, he was responsible for a lot of people's careers just skyrocketing, right? Just taking off. And now he's beginning to talk about how he played a role in a lot of what we see today as hip-hop stars and icons of the, I guess, starter generation of hip-hop and how he helped some stars become who they were by being a DJ and, and a producer. And he didn't always get credit. And I don't really necessarily like the tone that he's taking in the interviews because that's probably Vlad. But the whole point is, all these years I didn't know certain things, and then you you get exposed to um, people like Dr. Dre talking about his his past and his accolades, if you will, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense of why some things happen. But the 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 underlying tone that comes from it, it seems like he's butthurt that he's not where the other people are. And I I I don't like that. That's a bad vibe I'm getting from him in that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We only really know for the most part of what people say out of their mouth. And very few times do you get to walk with a person or see what they do and how that is impactful to others and know that this person or that person was responsible for certain actions and activities. Um, I drop dimes on some of the things I've been involved in over the years to help people sometimes here on the Gumbo Talk Show. But just because I do that, I hope that it doesn't come off as being condescending. Now, here's another part of when we talk about self-fulfilling prophecy, not so much that you, you need to brag on what you do. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that when you mention it of something that's going down, something happened, something that you're a part of, you, you've got to remember some people either don't care, care very little about it, or they, they only know what you tell them. So you've got to be cognizant of what you're giving off when you tell people about things you do or you've done. Um, it's a real threat to us when we don't understand our roles, our significance in roles. You know, when you're talking to people and you try to be uh, more humble with them because you don't want to um, be too big in a situation where you think that somebody might be thinking too small. So you'll say things like, I, I, I've caught myself saying this. I'll say things to people like, I'm, I'm just a notary. I know good and hell well I'm more than just a, no, a notary. 
I mean, the things I do, the things, the documents I'm familiar with, the way I've set up business over the last 18 and a half or 18 and a a quarter years um, has been all work and very little um, show, you know, because it's, it's, you've gotta, you gotta put in work to, to, to be able to talk about things. And so when I think about just myself and I take my business, uh, the mobile notary service, and I, and I think about all the years when I say I'm just a notary, well, what I'm putting out there is I'm really, I, I really ain't shit. I'm really just, you know, nothing. And in my heart, I know better. I've done a lot of training. I've spent money, real money, hundreds and thousands of dollars on training and equipment and this, that, and the third, certifications and all that. A regular notary is somebody you, you know that used to work at the bank or is over there and they had a business and they needed a notary there. So they that's just a notary. I'm not just a notary. And so I had to start saying it like, you know, when people ask me when I'm doing things, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a traveling. I, I came up with that term, I'm a trapper. I'm a traveling, reliable, uh, what was the A? Accountable, professional? No, administrative. A traveling, reliable, administrative professional. I do administrative tasks. You know when you, you hear the phrase administrative assistant, it automatically gets you in the mind of, oh, they're just a glorified secretary. No. An administrative assistant is somebody who pretty much knows everything that's going on with the administration. Even in our federal government, we call the head people on the cabinet or in the cabinet positions, we call them secretary, secretary of this, secretary of that. Because over the years, we've kind of gave less credence to a secretary. But if you know anything, about a secretary, no matter where they are. If they're a secretary of a school, if they're a secretary of state, they're the same. That is a powerful phrase. So people who are CNAs will say, oh, I'm just a CNA. No, you're doing something that nobody else would do but you. I'm not just a notary. I do things that other notaries either want to or they can't do. I'm not just, you know, I'm not just a man. You know, you'll hear people say that, you know, guys that, you know, go to work every day, they're not involved in any politics. They don't, they're not involved in changing the landscape of their area. They're not even involved in anything really if they go to worship anywhere. They just sit on the bench and that's good. They're on the pew. They go to baseball games and sit in the stands and they might or might not cheer. But you'll hear people say, I'm just a man. Well, no. Brother, you raising kids. Brother, you going to work every day. Brother, you driving safely. You're doing more than what you are or what you say you are. So we've got to be able to first learn when we think about a self-fulfilling prophecy of not watering down who we are or what we do. It used to be a time not so long ago, I'm going to say 30 years ago, maybe 25, where 
people, and there's still some people now, but let's just say the generation 30 years ago, people were defined by what they did on a job. So when you ask the person, you know, hey, how are you? Um, where are you from? And it would always be a question like, hey, what do you do for a living? And people would be so happy to say, I work at the factory, I work at the plant, I work at here and there. Um, we've gotten to a place now where our positions at places don't define us, and I think that's great. But on the flip side, we, we, we are now telling people what it is we really want to mean to the world. And since we're in that type of climate now, the last thing you want to do is dumb down or water down or negate who you are and what you do. I've been, I, I've been for the last year saying, you know, I'm just a teacher or I'm just a person at the school. No, I play a significant role at the school that I work at. I know I do. And I don't want to sugarcoat that because – I don't want to be around somebody who's been in the teaching profession 30 years to upset them. But if you've been in a profession for 30 years, you ought to know there's always new people coming in and there's always people that are going to leave out. But the point is, is that are you open-minded enough to know that they're growing in their profession? And if you're a one-year or two-year or first-year or second-year person, of course you don't have the knowledge of a 30-year person. So you should give them passes. I give these new young notaries that I sometimes train, I give them passes because I don't expect them to know what I know. How, and, uh, even my children, i got to give them passes where I used to expect for them to do things a certain way, and I have to flip a switch in my mind. I have to say, uh, he's only six. Give him grace. She's only 11. Give her grace. She's just 16. I know she thinks she knows every damn thing, but she's only 16. And that helps me that when I say words out of my mouth to them, it's something that hopefully they'll have. I'm planting seeds in their life that they'll have when they become my age, and they will have known what daddy knew when he was 43, stuff I'm just now learning, they're getting when they're 16, 11, and 6. Because really and truly what I learned from my parents and what I, I, I've learned from other people around me when I was a youngster, I was always around older people, and there was things that they say. There was energy that they, they gave off. There were other uh, things that they did and do that, that really inspired me and encouraged me to be how I am. But it would not have happened if I did not listen. It would not have happened if I didn't pick up on it, if I didn't say to myself, you know, I want to be like that, or I don't want to be like that. I used to say I don't want to be like my dad. Now all I want to do is be like my dad. Not in every facet, but, you know, my dad, this man got up and he cooked breakfast for me every single time I can think of. I don't I mean very few times that I can remember as a, as a kid that I didn't have a hot breakfast. Cereal? I, if, I'd have cereal maybe on the weekends, maybe sometimes, maybe. I don't even remember cereal too much. And it was the only thing we had was Frosted Flakes and Rice Krispies. 
And you know Rice Krispies didn't have no sugar on them back then. And Frosted Flakes, they were great because that was a sugary. Man, I didn't. I don't remember Fruit Loops and all that. I know they had it and stuff, but you know I didn't have Cocoa Puffs and all that. I had Frosted Flakes and Rice Krispies. I didn't have a whole lot of options. And and I'm I'm saying all this to say this. I was excited and happy because my parents put something in me uh, that came off. Yeah, they were tough. They were hella tough. I seemed like I couldn't do anything right. But I know now that, hell, when you do things right and you do things the right way and you come from the right place in mind, it's like you don't have to repeat things. You don't have to do things over. You're, you're, not, you're not making as many mistakes. So when we're talking about self-fulfilling prophecy, you, you start getting into a place of excellence. Excellence means you are perfecting things, means that you are coming from a place where it's a constant teaching, coming from a place where there's a constant learning, and you're saying to yourself, I can do it. Not, I don't think I'll be able to get that done. Um, it's going to take me too long. Who cares how long it takes? You're going to get it done. So stop saying, I don't know. It's going to take me a long time. It takes everybody a long time to do something. Evidently, some of these people around here, it's taking them a long time to die. They're still holding on to these hatred ways and running around here claiming every time it's something against what they think or what they want, that everybody else is fake, fraud, and a part-time broad. That is some hogwash. Listen, man, when you start saying, you know, hey, I messed up, but I'm going to make it right, or you start saying, you know, I, I, I did the best I could, and I'm pleased with the outcome, I, I would have liked for it to be better, but I couldn't have done anything to make it any better than what it was because I gave it my all. I, I learned that from playing football. You know, they said you give 110%. That's not possible. That's not possible. Um, but what you can do is say, you know what, I've got to put it in my mind that my body has a limit, right? My body has a limit, but my mind doesn't. And if my mind controls my body and my body doesn't control my mind, I can influence my body to go above and beyond things that it would normally do. This is what marathon runners have. I should do a show called The Marathon's Runner's Mind, MRM, because can you imagine running 26.1 miles? No, I know I can't. But they say there's like, you know, when you're running and you're getting ready, like at so many miles, you, there's a wall, right? And you just, you just going by your body and your heart, you hit that wall and you just – but those that can break through the wall, they've tapped into something in their mind that connects with their body, and these two synergize, and the syllogism of what they're doing becomes a marathon. You cannot run a marathon without going above and beyond in the mind of telling your body, I can do it, I can do it. But if your mind is not strong enough and your mind is saying, 
you know, I'm going to tinker out about 13.1 or whatever. It might be 26.2 miles. That's a that's a marathon. But I'm going to tinker out at 13.1, and that's it. I'm going to give it half. That's a half-ass effort. That's a half-ass way of thinking. That's a half-ass way of doing. And that comes from you telling yourself that. But if you're a person that says, I know I'm going to do it, my good friend do She's got these bright ideas about what she wants to do. Um, and what she's doing is every day, every in every way, she's figuring out how to fulfill the plan. Nobody, she's not telling herself, I can't do it. She's just telling herself, okay, I got to do this in order to get that done. And so she'll get that done, and little, little bitty tiny victories end up becoming great big wins of a war. I, I made a post the other day on Facebook. It was something to the essence of um, just because I won't fight some battles doesn't mean I'm not ready for war. I know that I have to lend my effort and my energy in certain places, but that doesn't mean I don't, I'm not paying attention to other things, right? I, I have to know what's going on around me, but I don't have to get involved with everything. I've been one of those people. Trust me. I know what that's like. I used to say, oh, we need better sidewalks in the I've fought for sidewalks. We need better school buildings. I was out there on the front line fighting for better school buildings. We need this, that, and the third. We need equality. We need better We need better streets. We need better lights. All these, I can keep going down the line. We need better shows to come to Longview. We need better this, that. I used to be involved in so many committees. As a matter of fact, I wish I could pull up my, um, I don't even have a resume. Anymore, I have what you call a vitae. It's like seven pages long, but most of it is volunteer efforts. But it wasn't like I was volunteering, going and just um, doing this, that, and the third. I'm like what my mom uses on her business card. She's a, she says uh, she's a professional retiree, but she's really a professional volunteer. She does what she wants, but when she does it, she does it really well. And, and and you can't help but give her respect because she puts effort in things where she's not getting anything in return from it but the enjoyment of knowing she helped people. And that's kind of where you got to be in your mind. You've got to say, you know, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm, I, I can get these things done, but the way I do them, nobody does it like me. There's probably somebody that does it similar. I had to start telling myself in 2020, oh, yeah, you might get somebody in your life uh, better than me. You might. You are definitely going to get somebody worse than me around you. But I'd be doggone John Brown if you get anybody just like me in your life. I, I was on the show last week, was it, that I said it? I don't know if that was y'all. I guess it was here at the Gumbo Talk. I, I, I'm a special individual. There is no one like me. I was shaped in a way that nobody else that I know was. I mean, I, I sit and talk to people, and I, I think about the experiences that I've I've been a part of from birth 
to now, and I'm like, nobody can, nobody has this story. Nobody has this story. And so why not tell your story? So I'm going to write a book. I've already started on it, but, you know, I'm going to start again. I'm not writing the book to uh, brag about anything or say, hey, I'm the only one that had this experience or that this. I'm not even writing the book to make money. I hope I make some money. Um, But um, I'm writing the book because people need to know that no matter what circumstance you have, you've got to look on the positive side because if you continue to think negatively, that will happen. It's a fulfillment of what you think from yourself that becomes a prophecy. I believe in prophecy. I don't believe in people telling me who claim that they're prophets. I don't mean them coming up to you or me and telling me, hey, you're going to do this and that. I probably am going to do something like that, whatever it is. But you can't sit there and tell me this specifically like it's going to happen. You're a different person. People that have those kind of gifts, they they don't put them on blast on TV because it's scary. I believe in prophecy when it comes to folks who really have a like mind, who really are coming from a place and an energy source, a spirit that only God gives, that they're able to say, you know what, this, that, and this. Very few people have it. Very few people have it. But I love them because they're weird and they're different. And when they speak or when they talk about something, it's almost like, you get drawn into whatever the conversation. They could be talking about ramen noodles, and you're sitting there listening to them like, you know, I just all of a sudden want, want to try a bowl of ramen noodles. I think I am going to, you know, smoke some pork chops, and then the leftovers, I'm going to chop them up in ramen noodles with some green onions and some red bell peppers and just drop them off in there and make it a whole different experience or just a bowl of ramen noodles. It's it's a it's a gift when you get around people that talk in a way that you just want to listen. And I'm just sitting there, like a kid in the candy store, like just just soaking it up. the The world is is not enough. I don't know why we 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 think that or we'll say, you know, all I really want is a car. Hmm. Okay. I was uh, talking to another good friend today. We were talking about my daughter and I having a conversation about what she's going to do because she's starting to work and she finally got her first check. And I I had a conversation with her about what she was going to do with her money. What is it, her goal? And she said, well, I'm going to save $100 a check. I said, okay, do you know what you're doing that for? She says, for a car. I want to get a car. And if I get a car like I get a loan, I want to be able to pay for it. And I'm going to put $3,000 down. And I was like, okay. And I said, what kind of car? She said, oh, something about 15000 or thirty. I said, oh, you want a car like your mom and I? No, no, no. And then she mentioned this car that I think was like seven or eight grand. I said, well, 3000 down on that is great. But you know a car is going to cost you maybe two-something, maybe three, 
maybe even four a month, if you're only saving a hundred dollars a check, which is a roughly two hundred dollars a month, you're going to come up short um, when it comes down to you know maintaining the note, and if you have to do anything with insurance, um, if you have to get tires. I went and got tires today, y'all. My ass is somewhere in Denmark because boy, those tires knocked my ass off of me. But anyway, you're gonna to have to maintain all these um, things that are in the maintenance of a vehicle, I said, maybe let's look at saving 200 a paycheck. If, if you get in the mindset of saving $200 a paycheck now, when you're only making, you know, part-time Walmart money, Walmart pays pretty good for some reason. But it, it's, you might as well get used to it because most people aren't making, aren't saving, excuse me, aren't saving $200 a check. Start just living off of what you have to live off of outside of saving $200 a paycheck, no matter what the paycheck is, you're going to make it and you're going to be successful because you're sticking to your gun and your goals are smart. And the fact that you're going to have, um, what, four, almost $5,000 at the end of a year, that's pretty good saving. And if we can move that, that savings, some of that $400 into some accounts and some investments, um, maybe even some business stuff, you'll be looking at being uh, rich by the time you're 35, 40 years old because it'll it'll get you some returns from 16 to 40. That's like 34 years, 24 years, 24 years. That's pretty good, 24, 25 years. I'm trying to get her to start saying I can do more than the average bear because I want more than the average bear. All my kids are spoiled. I have no idea how they got that way because it ain't like we tried to spoil them. They just ended up that way. And that's good in in in, in, in some ways, but on, on the flip side, it's like, oh, my God, my kids, they want to eat. Chicken and broccoli out Chipotle, all these places, and I'm like, God, can't you not like one? You know, some days I'm like, you know, and then they will say like chicken nuggets or something for McDonald's, but I'm like, can't y'all just say y'all want a five dollars little season? And they do like little season pizza, but man, if they got what they wanted, it'd be like shrimp. I remember my son, we went to. Uh, we went to Shreveport. Was it Bozier? We went to Bozier Saturday morning, last Saturday, to see my nephew play football. And he did good. He don't know what the hell he's doing. He's four. Uh, <laughs> but we went out there to support him and cheered him up and told him he's going to be a star. And uh, my son, I asked him when we were on the way, because this joker talked from Longview, to Bozier and from Bozier around and then all the way back to Longview. He talked and talked and talked. He's six. Poor thing. And um, he said, Daddy, when we was going to go eat, and I told him where we were going to go, we went to uh, Ralph and Kaku's. And uh, he said, yeah, I want crab. He said, well, you don't like crab. He said, well, I really want some crab legs. He's six. Crab legs. Okay. 
And then we got there. They didn't really have crab legs on the menu, you know, but they did have uh, shrimp. So he got him some shrimp, which is good. It was really, really cheap. And I had a decent dining experience. But um, the point is, my kids, my children, they want more out of life than what meets the eye, right? And hopefully, with my daughter working now, she'll see that in order to maintain that and keep any kind of money, you're going to have to make at least the the base minimum of being able to maintain with a very um, rich palate. Because trust me, I've lived with a champagne mindset and a Schlitz budget. And it doesn't line up when it comes around to another month in a cycle because you don't have any money. You spend it all on champagne when you didn't have a champagne affording lifestyle. So it's it's twofold. When we talk self-fulfilling prophecy, it's one, speaking into existence what you want, also two, getting in the mindset of thinking that, okay, I don't have what I want yet, but I'm going to have to do these things to get it. And it's not about I'm giving up. It's not about I can't. It's not about um, uh, wanting nice things but not being able to afford it. It's not that. It's like you're willing to say I'll do what it takes to get what I desire. And that is the heart of us as humans is to desire. There's nothing wrong with us desiring anything. It really isn't. Um, it's it's all about do do does that does that desire line up with our frequency to our higher power and our frequency with our mankind and Will that desire hook up at that crossroads? I have such a good diagram, um, and I've told you all about it. Oh, it's been about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, a year and two months ago, as a matter of fact. This diagram that I drew on the board is like an infinity symbol. You all know the infinity symbol is like a figure eight-like thing, right? It's never ending, but it, there's a crossroads in the middle, and it goes out, and you never know when it comes back. But there's an access point. Then I said, okay, there's that. Then I drew two circles over each side of the infinity and how things line up, right, at points in infinity with the circle and then points in the center where both circles and the infinity come together Kind of like that. And that right there is where greatness happens. When everything lines up, God, self, community, the universal energy, all becomes one. 
And that's where I'm at. I tell myself every day I want to be in the presence of good energy. I want to be in that in that uh, sweet spot where the world, people in the world, the universe, and my God, and then myself are all at that one point. And I tell myself every day, now, I don't know what that point looks like, but I know when I get there what it's going to feel like. And that's, that's it for me. I'm not trying to tell you what it is that you need to start spewing out of your mouth, but I know it's got to be something that gets you where you want to be and gets you to think about everything that is going to take to get there being just a walk. You, you're not going to know every step. I had to learn this. Every step isn't given to you. As a leader, and we talked about leadership, I think, last week, and I talked about this, but as a leader, you don't have much in the way of a bunch of people guiding you. Oftentimes, it's risk you take, and you've got to go with your gut because the only thing that's really in front of you is God because you're out there. When you get up on top of a mountain, nobody else has been there that's human on some of the tops of these peaks. You're the first person to get there. So when you take a view out of where you are, nobody else in the world has taken the time to walk to where you are. Now, they've got drones. You've got helicopters. You've got planes. You've got whatever it takes you can fly, right? to get you up in the air, but to climb a mountain takes a very significant effort. You've got to have a marathon runner's mind to climb a mountain. And so for me, I know there's mountains of heat. There's mountains ahead, so I've got to store up the oxygen. I've got to build up my tolerance of keeping my body um, calibrated for this mountain experience. See, I've been on top of the mountain, and I want to go back. So I know the steps it takes, and I'm climbing that summer gun now. I'm climbing it. But i got to also take into account that I remember the mistakes I made before. I remember the slips and the falls that I had, the stumbles, I should say. And I'm trying to avoid as many of those this time and telling myself every day, you're going to make it. With who I got on my side, <laughs> I know I will. The the way you got to do what you got to do comes from within. And you can fulfill anything in your manifest destiny of self that you want to if you keep focused. Okay, and I'm not talking about 90 seconds, that's good. I don't need any, I don't need the whole 90 seconds. It's, it starts from you. It starts within. It starts with starting to speak things in an affirmative and not a negative. It's starting to say to yourself that, you know what, this is going to take me some time maybe, but I, I, it's not going to take me that much time because I'm focused. I've got intention and I've got the desire. And my, what my heart desires, y'all, I'll share with you. It's $57 million, 
with $57 million, I'll be able to do everything I think that will fulfill my purpose on earth. That being said, y'all, this is the Gumbo Talk Show. I'm yours to the Gap 2 Guru of Gumbo. Remember, everything you say and everything you do comes about for you. So if you're going to think bad, you'll get it. If you're going to think negative, you'll get it. Hey, Dale, I'm glad to see you joined us. Yeah, death and life is in the power of the tongue. You're absolutely right, brother. And I hope that you, everybody, you out there, start speaking life into yourself. This world is not enough. So don't shortchange yourself. Want everything you want, and then you get that thing to line up with the ultimate power. Thank y'all. I hope to see you, what, next Thursday, about 8-ish. We'll be right here at the Gumbo Talk Show. Thank y'all. Bless you, and I'll see you real soon.